Now, I'm going to speak for a few moments this evening on the subject of action. We have a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous that action is the magic word. Now, in order to understand how this works, I'm going to take you back to an article that appeared in the Reader's Digest in May of 1949. It was written by Fulton Arsler, and it was entitled The Story Behind the Story. And it had to do with the occasion when this Russian school teacher, you know, if you will recall, jumped out of the third floor of the Russian consulate building in New York City. And the story takes us back to a little farmhouse up in Connecticut. And there a woman by the name of Louise McKeon was sitting in her living room one Sunday morning reading the paper with her husband. And she suddenly looked up and she said, I think this is terrible. I think this is awful. And the husband said, now wait a minute. What's awful? What's terrible? Well, she said, they have, that says here, they have a, a woman imprisoned against her will in the consulate of the Russians in New York City. And I think that's terrible in such a place as America. Well, the husband tried to quiet her a little. He said, well, after all, that's, that's none of our business. You know, that's uh, an international thing. But uh, Louise insisted. She said, well, I don't care. I think we should do something about it. She said, Father Keller says, now, incidentally, Father Keller, for those of you who, who do not know, is the one that uh, started the Christopher movement. And his basic theory is that if we tried to do, or if we did something about what we thought should be done in this world, so many more people would accomplish so much more that all of us would be amazed. He was the one that out here in Hollywood Bowl some years back in the darkness of the night, had one person to light a candle. And then he had all those thousands who were seated there all to light a candle. And he showed how much effect of brightness came because each one lit that small little candle. So anyhow, Mrs. McKeon kept insisting. She said, Father Keller says we should try to do about these things. Well, uh, the husband said, what are we going to do? Well, she said, now, I have a, a cousin who is a lawyer. He just graduated from law school in New York City. I think we should go down and see him. Well, as so many husbands have in the past to placate his wife, he said, okay, we'll go down to New York City to see your cousin. So Monday morning, they went to New York City, went to this lawyer's office, and once again, she kept insisting, I think we should do something about this imprisoning this woman against her will. Well, the lawyer said, now, uh, what should we do? Well, she said, I don't know, but we should do something. Well, again, to placate her, the lawyer said, well, we could file a writ of habeas corpus. I don't know if it would do much good. Well, again, to placate her, he filed the writ. And they were walking from his office, came to the street with this paper in his hand, and who should drive up in front of the consulate building but the Russian consul. And as he got out of his limousine, he saw this fellow with the legal-looking document. And out of fear, he grabbed it to destroy it. And of course, in legal language, he was served. You know the rest of the story. It was in the papers. It was in the international affairs. Finally, it was on the radio. Crowds gathered in 
front of the consulate building and up on the third floor, this Russian school teacher was walking back and forth. Her mind had been drugged by the Russians. In all this babble of tongue, she finally looked out the window and recognized her name. And that, for just a flash of recognition, gave her the idea, friends. And on the spur of the moment, she jumped. And the rest of the story is well known. Nothing so crystallized. The knowledge in the hearts of Americans of the duplicity and deceit of the Russians than that one incident. All because one housewife from up on a farm in Connecticut did something about what she thought should be done instead of merely thinking about it. Now we know that most of our problems of life would be solved if we only did something about them instead of thinking about it particularly the alcoholic. How many times in the past did we not solve all our problems mentally with a bottle in one hand and a glass in the other? Finally, we didn't need the glass. <laughs> but actually, we did nothing about them, and the problems increased and multiplied, and the drinking continued and got worse. That's the reason we were perfectionists and procrastinators and dreamers. That's the reason the AA book tells us that the alcoholic should have a minimum of analysis and a maximum of action because action is the magic word. It's the reason that psychoanalysis can be so dangerous to the alcoholic because the alcoholic already has too much analysis and too little action. The reason that so many in AA slip you know what that means. Is <laughs> because they've taken all 12 steps mentally. But they've done nothing about them. And so their problems continue, keep growing, and they drink again. The reason that the 12 steps are written in the past tense. Have you ever realized that? All 12 steps are written in the past tense. Because they presume action. We admitted we were powerless. We came to believe. We made a decision. All past tense. Made a searching and fearless inventory. Admitted to God. Humbly asked. Were entirely ready. All past tense. Made a list. Made direct amends. Continued to take. Sought through prayer and meditation. Having had a spiritual awakening. We tried to carry. All indicating the necessity and presuming action. And the reason that so many conflicts still remain in so many of us is because there is still too much thought and too little action. Have you ever realized that the only reason that we have Alcoholics Anonymous today is because Bill W., our founder acted, he took action when he was in Akron almost 21 years ago. Now let's analyze the 12 steps and see practically how this works. In the first step, the admission. Now many of us, as I said before, have made that admission many times in our life mentally. Yeah, I'm afraid I am an alcoholic. 
Isn't it terrible? Because we did nothing about it. You know, the worst frustration in the world is to take the first step without the subsequent steps. I am an alcoholic. I am powerless over alcohol. Isn't it terrible? <laughs> Poor me. Now, when we come to AA, we again admit we're powerless, we're alcoholic, but then immediately we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, I'm going to make a statement which might sound a little bit screwy, but if you just bear with me, I think it gradually will make sense. And that statement is that each step of the AA program contains the action of the next step, so that you can't take any step without taking the next step. Now, if you don't believe that, just listen. In the first step, we admit we're powerless. Now, if that's honest, then if there is action, if we're powerless, we must have something to substitute for that power, which is the second step. We came to believe in a power greater than ourselves, that it could restore us to sanity. Now, if that's honest, if there is a power to restore us, then we're going to do something about it, made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understand it. Now, if this is honest, if this has action, then we must... In order to do that, we must make a searching and moral inventory of ourselves. How can we turn anything over to God if we don't know what we're turning over? Have you ever heard a merchant sell a store and say, want to buy a store? And the buyers say, yeah, what's in the store? He says, oh, I don't know. Just a store. Want to buy a store? The first thing we want to know, what's in the store? And therefore, when we turn our life to God, we want to know what is this life. It's good points. It's bad points. It's talents. It's faults. Everything, a complete inventory. So we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Now, if this is true, if this is honest, then we must admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Now, right here, some's going to ball say, Gee, it's bad enough to admit it to God. You mean to tell me I've got to go to another human being? <laughs> well, that's action. And action is the magic word. Then if that's honest, if this admission is honest, we have to. We humbly ask God to remove these shark tummies. Now, here again, action calls for footwork. We can't just go in our living room and say, oh, Please, God, remake my life. Huh. He will. But I think he will remind us, when you pray for potatoes, reach for a hole. You know, there was a fellow came to see me from a group rather distant from Indianapolis. When he came, he said, Father, I've got problems. I said, oh, you've got problems? Yeah, he said, I've been in AA now eight, nine, ten months. I don't know what it was. And he said, I haven't got a job as yet. I said, oh, you haven't? No, he says, uh, I have prayed and prayed and prayed for a job. He says, in fact, I go to church every morning asking for a job. I said, of course, you go out and look for one. Well, he said, no, but I pray for one. <laughs> they tell the story 
of the fellow who was at the prize fight. And between the rounds, he noticed that one of the prize fighters made the sign of the cross. And he happened to spy a priest sitting not too far from him. So finally he leaned over and he said, Say, Father, will that help him win the fight? And the priest said, It will if he can fight. Now again, if this asking God is sincere, then we must be ready to have him remove these shortcomings. Willingness for God to work on us. Now if that's sincere, then if we take that step, we have to take the next step, make a list of the persons we had harmed in order to make up for these shortcomings. And here again, the big A book suggests that it be written. Why? Because action is the magic word. And when we write it out, we can look at it in the concrete to see ourselves as others see us, and eventually as God sees us. Now, when we make that list, if that's honest, then we have to make direct amends. Go to the individual and make up for all the wrongs that we had done in the past. Now, here again, the big A book suggests that we go directly. Notice it says direct amends, indicating the value of action. Ordinary justice and rights would not demand that. We could simply, if I stole, for instance, $10 from John Doak, I could simply sit down and send the $10 to John Doak and not ever let him know anything about it. As far as God's concerned, as far as my conscience, but AA says, no, make direct amends, because action is the magic word. Actions of humility. And no one needs humility more than the pathologically proud alcoholic. Now I'm going to stop a moment and try to point out that the AA program is divided into three different sections. The first section is the first step. We admit it. That's the door. Oh, how many look in, and then they run. But they'll be back. <laughs> they'll be back sometime. I heard somebody make a remark the other night at one of the meetings that I thought was very valuable. And he said, they tell us that 75% of all AAs who come to AA stay sober, even though the alcoholic who does not come to AA has only 25% of achieving sobriety. So the average fellow or gal who comes into the door, even though he don't stay, someday he's going to come back, sooner or later. Then step two to nine, that's getting on the program. That's where we ready ourselves for living, and for living soberly and happily. And then 10, 11, and 12, that is the continued actions of living the program day in and day out. Ten, the continued inventory. Eleven, sought, continued to seek through prayer and meditation. And the twelfth step in carrying this message to other alcoholics. And there again, we can't take one without taking the subsequent step. Because if I continue to take inventory, what am I going to find there? I'm going to find that I still have faults. Yes, serious ones. Five years, ten years, fifteen years after I get on the program. Now, if I still have faults, therefore I had better seek through prayer and meditation in order that God will help me 
to rid myself of these faults. Now, if I seek through meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, you know what I'm going to find out? I'm going to find out certain things I owe my neighbor. I'm going to find from God that I keep this thing if I give it away. And so I have to take the 12th step and carry the message to other alcoholics. Because action is the magic word. You know, it even indicates there, it says, we tried to carry the message. It doesn't say we succeeded. You know, so many make a mistake. Uh, you know, you've seen it happen. Here's uh, John Doe, and he calls on ten guys. And uh, they all stay drunk. All his babies get drunk again. And what happens? It's awful. It must not even be a good alcoholic. Maybe a little drink might help me. Then here's another fellow. He calls on ten alcoholics. And they all stay sober. They all make the program. And then what happens? Hmm. Look at me. Best little sponsor in the area. Ten men. They're all sober. Then he goes home. He looks into the mirror. And then he admires that big shot sponsor in the mirror. And then he invites that guy in the mirror out for a drink. <laughs> It says we tried. Then we have succeeded for us because we have taken action. And action is the magic word. Even in prayer, what does it tell us? What did it tell us centuries ago that he who says, Lord, Lord, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven? But he who does the will of my Father, he who does it, he will enter the kingdom of heaven. Action is the magic word. Now let's take a few examples of our everyday problems. First of all, all resentments of which every alcoholic is heir to and which every alcoholic must avoid and to whom they are very, very dangerous. We can't wish away resentments. We can't go and say, well, gee, I wish I didn't resent so-and-so. We can wish the kingdom come and we will still resent so-and-so. We must practice actions of love or so and so. We must do something for them. Do something good for them. Say something good about them. Pray for them. The positive action of love is the only thing that will eliminate the negative attitude of resentment. Because action is the magic word. Then temptations. How many people have temptations because they do nothing about the source of temptation? We had a fellow came into our group one time in Indianapolis, and he said, you know, fellas, he said, the reason I have slips, he says, because I've got to work around liquor all the time. Of course, he didn't seem to realize he could have got another job. It wasn't such a good job he had anyway. <laughs> Do something about it. Action is the magic word. Nervousness. You know the reason so many of us are nervous? Two reasons. We have never done anything about getting rest, day in and day out. And we have never done anything about the problems of our life, which have us in the middle, day in and day out. And so we're nervous, we're tense, we're jittery, we're sleepless. Action is the magic word. Then a neurosis. You know what a neurosis is? A neurosis is too much thought and too little action. Action is the magic word. You know the trouble with a person with a neurosis? 
they're afraid to take action. Fear is so dominant in their uh, consciousness at that time. So they're afraid anything they do will be wrong. Well, to them I say, well, do anything. There's only one creature in life that can't stumble, and that's a worm. <laughs> so any action is better than inaction, because action is the magic word. Then fear. Fear means that we must take action and find out what the fear is and then do something about it. For centuries, the advice about fear has been given to act contrary to fear, not to run away from fear. Action is the magic word. Then avarice. You know, that means tightness. And I don't mean in the drinking sense either. And you know, to me, this is the enigma of AA. How tight alcoholics can become after they sober up. <laughs> Let your chairman or your group secretary, whatever he or she is, ask for a little help extra, and they hit high heaven. And right away they drag out that time-worn excuse, no dues, no fees, what the heck? It, it don't cost nothing. Well, maybe it doesn't. Sobriety doesn't cost anything. But I'm going to tell you a little story about that. It's the story of the preacher. was preaching one time. And he was preaching about salvation. And he was telling his congregation that salvation was absolutely free. He said, it's just like the water that the good Lord gives us. It doesn't cost us a cent. It's absolutely free. And then he took up a collection. Well, after the sermon, one of his congregation came up and he said, look here, preacher. He says, you say our salvation is free, and then you take up a collection. How come? How come? Well, the preacher said, that's true. Salvation is free. He said, it's just like the water in the world, I told you. The Lord gives it to you absolutely free. But when it comes to the piping, you've got to pay for it. <laughs> then family conflicts. Family conflicts continue and become complicated because we don't do something about it. Action is the magic word. Group conflicts. How many group conflicts go on day after day and week after week and month after month because we don't do something about it? A lot of talk, <laughs> but no action. Then in the virtue of humility. If there's ever one virtue that must be acquired only by action, it's humility. We can't think ourselves into humility of all things. Although, you know, you and I both have heard the fellow or the gal gets up and you say, Well, now, since I have become humble, I'm proud of my humility. <laughs> or the guy who said, If you haven't read my book on humility, you haven't read anything yet. Then worry. You know, every alcoholic is at heart a worry ward. What is worry? Too much thought and too little action. Too much thought and too little action. I'm going to make a remark which I think has a tremendous value. And that is that our future is determined not so much by our plans for tomorrow as by our actions today. I'm going to repeat that. Our future 
is determined not nearly so much by our plans for tomorrow as by our actions today. Do something about it. Action is the magic word. And then irascibility, you know, anger. Speaking of anger, they tell the story of the fellow that was on the 20th Century Limited. You know, it goes from Chicago to New York City. And he wanted to go off of Buffalo, New York. Now the train gets in Buffalo at 5 o'clock in the morning. So this fellow called the porter and he said, Look at here, porter. He says, I want to get off the train at Buffalo. Now be sure and waken me and put me off the train. He said, Don't let anything interfere with you putting me off the train at Buffalo. Well, the train went through the night, came into the Grand Central Station in New York City. The porter stepped off the back platform, was standing there, and who came running out the train but this fellow? And he grabbed the porter by the nap of the neck and he said, Porter, why didn't you awaken me putting me off the train at Buffalo? He said, you caused me to miss the most important appointment of my whole life. And he cursed and he swore and he threatened. And finally he turned on his heel and ran out of the station. Just then the station master came along. And he looked at the porter and he said, Gee, did you ever see anybody so mad in all your life? Yeah, said the porter said. You should have seen the guy I put off at Buffalo. We could eliminate anger and much more quickly if we would practice actions of kindness. Go out of our way to place actions of kindness day in and day out. Moodiness, to which all of us are subject to now and again, some oftener than others. Action is the magic word. Do anything. Run up and down the street and swing our arms. They might think we're nuts, but at least it will change the mood. Might bring a crowd. <laughs> indecision again. Why do we have indecision? Because there's no action on our problems. Like the story, you've heard it before, the fellow came to AA and his sponsor got him a job. And the job was the sorting tomatoes, you know. 48 hours later, the fellow quit. The sponsor heard about it and he called the fellow. He says, hey, how come you quit your job? And the fellow says, it was too hard. He says, what do you mean it's too hard? All you had to do is put tomatoes in one basket and then another. Oh, he said it wasn't placing them that was so rough. He was just making those darn decisions that got me down. <laughs> then judging others. You know, uh, scandalmongers, gossipers. Why? Because such do not take action on themselves. If we took action on ourselves, we wouldn't have time to talk about others. And you know, here is another enigma of AA. How we alcoholics, with all the mess of our past, can put ourselves in a seat of judgment about somebody else is beyond comprehension. And yet it goes on, like the old pagan poet Horace said many centuries ago, Fama que crescit e undo. Gossip which so grows as it goes. And how it grows and grows and grows and grows. Whereas if we took action on ourselves, we wouldn't tend to talk about others. To take the other guy or the other gal's inventory. Action is the magic word. Action on ourselves. And then the, the tenth step. 
which means continue to take personal inventory, means to take action on our faults, do something about them. No wonder we got so many left. We've never done anything about any of them. We're still just a gonna, you know, tomorrow. Procrastinators, perfectionists, dreamers. Action is the magic word. Then uh, meetings. Why is it so many attend so many meetings and get so little? Because we don't take action on what we hear at the meeting. We talk about everything else, but not do anything about what we hear each meeting. If every member of Alcoholics Anonymous would just take one action of some little part of something that said at some meeting, oh my, what would be accomplished in such a short time? Action is the magic word. You know, they tell the story of the, uh, of the priest who was preaching a sermon. This was many, many years ago. It must have been a long time ago because the sermon was after Mass on Sunday then. I don't think we could have that now. I think we'd all leave. But, <laughs> but anyhow, it so happened that one Sunday morning, uh, a fellow came running up to the church steps, you know, and he saw everybody leaving church. So he asked a little old lady who was coming down the steps, he said, Say, madam, is the sermon over? She said, No, sir, it isn't. Well, he said, Why is everybody leaving church? And she said, Because the priest has left the pulpit. Now he says, Come, come. What do you mean? First you say the sermon is not over, and now you say the priest has left the pulpit. What do you mean? Well, she said, indeed, sir, the sermon is not over. The priest has left the pulpit, but the sermon now begins when we take action on the sermon in our daily lives. Action is the magic word. Then laziness. You know, contrary to popular opinion, the average alcoholic is lazy by nature and very lazy. We all had a lot of activity in our lives. You know, activity is not action. Action is purposeful activity. And so the remedy of laziness is action with a purpose, day in and day out. Action is the magic word. And then when it comes to God, many alcoholics still have difficulties in uh, acquiring and keeping a lively faith in Almighty God because they don't take action on the faith that God has already given them. That's the reason the 11th step says sought through prayer and meditation. That means day in and day out to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. That means day in and day out. Action is the magic word. Now, I'm going to try to answer what I think is the most asked question in Alcoholics Anonymous today. And that is something like this. What's the matter with me? I've been in AA five years, ten years, six months, whatever it may be, and there's something wrong. I used to have peace of mind, but I'm jittery. I'm restless. I'm nervous. What's the matter with me? Well, I think the difference is, or the trouble is, that little difference that lies between the fellow or the gal who is merely dry and the one who is not only dry, but also happy. 
The same is the difference between the man or the woman who is not only sober, but who is also sober and serene. It's the difference between the one who is on the program and the one who is merely around the program. To me, I, I call it the magic action. And I think it's the taking of the third step once and for all, without ifs, ands, buts, or what have you. Once and for all, that little action, the magic action of the third step. Because it's the one that flows into all the rest. We have made a decision. That's action. With no reservations. To turn our will and our life, more action, over to God so that He in turn can take action on us. That's the secret of happiness and serenity in AA. Now, I think most of us would like to do that, but then become afraid. Yeah, I know if, if I do this, then what, what will God, you know? It's like the character in the Hound of Heaven, fearful, lest having found Him, they have nothing else besides. It's like the little old lady on shipboard, and the ship was wrecked at sea. And she came running to the captain. She says, Captain, are we in any great danger? And the captain says, Well, after all, madam, we're in the hands of God. Oh, she said, It's as bad as all that. <laughs> as good as all that. Action. Made a decision. Action. With no reservations. No ifs, no ands, no buts. To turn our will, all of it, with no reservations, and our life, all of it, with no reservation, over to the care of God as we understood Him. So that He, in turn, can take action on us. Now, if we're not ready, if we're not willing, the big AA book tells us, it suggests, let's pray and ask God to make us willing. Make me willing. God grant us the serenity. Remember the AA prayer? Uh, to accept the things we cannot change. And the courage to change the things we can. That's action. And the wisdom to know the difference. And I'm going to give you a little of the wisdom to know the difference. And that is this. That most of the things that we can't change lie outside of ourselves. And most of the things that we can change are inside of us. God grant us the serenity. Give us the courage and the wisdom. And if we do that day in and day out, with even a modicum of honesty, I am positive that eventually that prayer will find its answer. And you and I, who are sitting here tonight, can then have a well-founded hope that we'll be together again in eternity. Thanking God. Thanking God that He's given us 12 little steps, 12 little actions, which led us to a love of Him and an understanding of ourselves and our fellow man here below and a union with Him and them for all eternity. Peace and serenity forever. May God love you all.